0: Hi everyone, this is Andrea Orsak. You're listening to CoCast Creating the Future Together podcast, and I'm so excited to talk today to Catalina Katana. Catalina is originally from Moldova. worked and studied uh, in the Netherlands. She also got a chance to spend some time and work in Berlin and the Germany. Then she decided to travel together with her boyfriend across Southeast Asia. And right now she lives in beautiful Hanoi, Vietnam. She's actually the head of Accelerator Program there at The Think Zone Ventures. And she's helping entrepreneurs apply design thinking principles and mindset to build their ventures. On the top of that, Catalina really believes the sustainability, philosophy, and social innovation are the way to go forward and that's also a reason why quite a long time ago she started the change makers podcast and she's interviewing change makers around the world aiming to raise the awareness about changes needed and the last season is dedicated to sdg's sustainable development goals catalina super excited to have you here today welcome
1: Thank you so much andrea it's really an honor uh, to be on the other side <laughs> i remember interviewing you but two years ago and i'm on the other side now of, the, of being an interview on your podcast i'm really honored
0: to be on the show. <laughs> i'm very honored because you were one of the first ones who actually picked uh, our mission c and uh, got us a space to share the story and indeed so much has changed since then and I'm really curious, how are you doing right now? How's life in Vietnam? How was how was this whole COVID-19 situation in Vietnam?
1: <laughs> uh, so I'm doing good. Um, currently uh, it's August, it's the rainy season starting soon. Um, mm-hmm. So we are a little bit in, in, still in the July heat. Um, so really hoping to, to see that rain soon. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm currently in Hanoi. Um, a really beautiful city very unique experience for me all my life i've been in europe kind of jumping from city to mm-hmm. city and for the first time in my life i'm on the other side of the planet um very far away from family very far away from <laughs> close friends so mm-hmm. it's a really big challenge um yeah so here i have to say that vietnam from, from what I've read, from what I've seen, is probably one of the countries that dealt the best with the COVID-19 crisis. Um, despite the fact that Vietnam is on the border with China and when the whole thing erupted into China, you know, the Vietnamese uh, authorities, government community, um, they were very quick in putting in a lot of measures um, in kind of tracking down everything that's happening um, to ensure that it doesn't spread. So I was, in, in that sense, I was really lucky from from all the countries that I could pick in the world. I picked the one country where actually we were really lucky not to feel the COVID-19 almost at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, in at the end of March, we started having a lockdown um, that lasted for... A month mm-hmm. so at the beginning of May everyone got out of the lockdown um, and since from, from the beginning of May until now basically everything has been smooth. We Vietnam was the first country I think that had 99 days with no new cases at mm-hmm. all. Uh, we didn't have any deaths. Uh, unfortunately a few weeks ago some new cases emerged in the city in the south of Vietnam um, and we're all Again, kind of being careful, um, um, you know, everyone has to wear masks again. Uh, Everyone is keeping the distance just to make sure that we don't go back into a lockdown. So we're carefully watching the news and monitoring everything that's (laughs) happening to see which direction (laughs) this new wave is going to go. So this is, um, yeah, a quick update about what's happening
0: in, in Vietnam with regards to the COVID crisis. Many thanks. Yeah, it sounds really good uh, that it's going so well over there and fingers crossed that it will stay super safe for you and uh, well Mm -hmm. everyone over there as well. And what's the story? How did you end up in Vietnam? Being from Moldova, being exposed to so many European countries indeed, like how did that happen? Um,
1: So I I think I really wanted to kind of explore the world since I was quite young um, because I was in this little bubble first in Moldova, and then I, I moved to the Netherlands, and then I was in a little bubble there. Um, and I was always curious, you know, what's happening outside in, in other parts of the world. Um, and I kept hearing, you know, about the, the Asian countries developing really fast and doing a lot of things and a lot of innovation happening in Southeast Asia. Um, kind of, you know, this whole emerging economies um, talk. Um, so I was quite curious, also, you know, what does that actually mean. Uh, what does an emerging country mean? An emerging economy. What what are they doing uh, there? That you mm-hmm. know is kind of catching the attention of the rest of the world. Um, and I mean, I've explored Europe quite a bit. Um, initially, I thought that Western Europe was more or less all the same, <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think that that's the mentality also here in Asia when they say European. You know, Europe is just one big <laughs> box. Um, but uh, while, while being in the UK, in the Netherlands in Germany, even though they're quite close, um, these countries, I saw a lot of differences in, in the way people think, and their expectations, even in values. Um, so I thought that the further you go away, probably the changes would be even more mm. <laughs> acute. Um, and then I really wanted, so I was really lucky and privileged, really, to, to be able to do this. Um, not many people, unfortunately, have the opportunity, you know, to just kind of quit everything and take their backpacks and go on the other side of the world. Um, so after one year in Germany in Berlin, um, I decided to use my savings, basically, and together with my boyfriend to explore a little bit the other side of the world. So we. Um, decided to do a sort of backpacking trip for a few months uh, in southeast asia we actually started in nepal um, and we did a everest uh, trek Uh, so so we hiked for two weeks in the himalayas which was one of the most amazing experiences that i've had in my in my life wow Um, just being exposed to that completely 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 different environment compared to where we were coming from Uh, and just also getting down to the basics you know when you're in the mountains so high up um, there is not there's not so much you know hot water for example Mm -hmm. many things that we take for granted suddenly you know Mm -hmm. we started to realize what is actually essential (laughs) for our survival Um, so it was a really eye-opening a really good experience also An amazing experience to just do a little bit of a digital detox. Um, Both my boyfriend and I are spending so much time in an office in front of a computer for seven eight hours a day Uh, and then you come home and then maybe you watch a a movies here again in front of the screen. We're always connected on our social media, on our phones, so this was a really amazing opportunity to kind of slow down and Detach a little bit from from the whole social media, from all the digital um, uh, devices that we have around us, and to really reflect on what's essential. To really reflect, um, you know, and connect with nature, connect with a different culture. So that was a really amazing start <laughs> for our trip um, and getting acquainted with with Asia. Uh, and after that, we just went to to Southeast Asia for a little bit. So we went to Thailand. Um, Laos, uh, and then we ended up in Vietnam um, as our sort of last destination. Um, And then we have some friends in Vietnam that have been living here for a while. So we got the chance to really explore what they do. Uh, I mean, when when you travel, when you backpack in Southeast Asia, most of the times you would meet other backpackers (laughs) uh, traveling from Australia or from Europe or from the U.S., um, and this time our friends, you know, they were not backpackers. They were living here for a while. Um, they were having jobs. All their lives were around um, Vietnam. Um, so it was a really interesting opportunity also to get to know what it is to, how it is to to live here um, as a resident and not as a foreigner or a tourist. Um, and then my boyfriend got an opportunity to uh, be a tech lead for a tech company here in, in Hanoi. So to work with his friend. Uh, and then we were contemplating, okay, shall we make this step? Shall we move here at the other end of the world, away from our families, far away from all of our, the rest of our friends? Um, and then I also had to make a decision. Um, am I ready to, to really, you know, commit to a, a country that is so far away uh, and is so different? Um, and the way I was reflecting on it was from the sustainability point of view. So after, my job experience in Germany, I really wanted to get a little bit closer to my fields of passion, which is mm-hmm. education, sustainability, social innovation. So I was trying to look, okay, what can I do around that? Uh, and then I know that in Europe, a lot of people are quite aware about sustainability um, from companies to consumers. You know, People lo- are looking to buy sustainable and also companies are also looking to change in order to become more sustainable. Um, so there's quite a lot of Things happening there around that. Uh, And I was just wondering is there anything happening around that in Asia? Uh, And here in Vietnam, because it's because of the global warming, because of the climate change, it's one of the most affected countries. Mm. uh, And you can really see that. You can really, you know, you always talk about plastic waste, trash, um, you talk about pollution. And here, being in Asia, you can actually feel it. You know, When you're in Europe, you know about those things, but you don't really feel them in your daily lives, or not as much. And here, we were really exposed 24-7 to the pollution. When we were in Nepal, it was impossible to breathe. It was impossible to walk on the street without having your mask on. Here in, in Hanoi, you can see the trash everywhere being thrown out. So much plastic. You go to the supermarket you have your little apple in a plastic bag, another banana in another plastic bag, and Mm. all of this in another big plastic bag. So it's insane the amount of plastic that is being produced and used here in Asia. Um, And it was really shocking um, and and frustrating at the same time because, you know, I was interested in sustainability and I knew about all of these problems. And I know that, okay, just have to stop using plastic, you just have to, you know, ban plastic bags from the supermarkets, so on and so forth, and here, you know, I didn't really see that awareness, mm-hmm. um, and it really bothered me, so I was kind of contemplating, okay, if I go back to Europe, most likely I will be able to find something around sustainability, uh, and most likely I will find like-minded people who care about these things the same with the same passion that I do, but what about Vietnam? Um, So then I decided to kind of challenge myself and I thought that, okay, if I stay here and I try to do something and I try to contribute in in any way possible, maybe I can make a teeny little impact um, that would maybe be more relevant here than it would be back in Europe. Um, So this was kind of my motivation and (laughs) my thinking around moving to Asia. Um, Mm. And since then I've been working with entrepreneurs to develop their the, the way they built their businesses to, to be more sustainable. And on the side, I'm also working with students to teach them about social innovation and sustainability.
0: That sounds absolutely <laughs> amazing, Catalina. Well, it's actually pretty short story, considering how much has happened in such a short period of time. But it sounds like you guys definitely been on a huge adventure and i think one needs to be also brave to kind of leave behind what we know so well so kind of like really going out of your box out of your comfort zone and explore and of course my follow-up question I wanted to ask you, like, what did you guys observe? What did you learn? But you pretty nicely summed it up. Like, it was a reality check, as I understood, and it really opened up your eyes. And also, it would be probably easy for you just to go back to Europe and continue what you're passionate about. But this was really an opportunity to do it in a really different, challenging environment. So, can you tell us a little bit more? What do you do at an Accelerator? How does that work?
1: Um, yeah. So. Um I'm working at a a things on accelerator Mm -hmm. um, which is an accelerator and aiming to also become a venture capital at some point um, to invest in tech startups uh, mainly. Um, So my expertise and and my Mm -hmm. passion is also working with entrepreneurs so my activities very much surrounding working with entrepreneurs. So within the accelerator I design the accelerator program so I design the different sessions, the different different trainings and workshops that we think entrepreneurs um, should do um, and the topics they should learn about in order to um, become a little bit smarter, so to say, um, about their businesses and also develop them and grow them in a a sustainable way. Mm -hmm. Um, So the core of my work is around designing the sessions and then facilitating the sessions. And then of course, um, besides working with entrepreneurs within ThinkZone, I also sometimes do some workshops and trainings with some other partners. So either corporations, um, sometimes governments, uh, ministries um, on design thinking, lean um, customer development. So actually a lot of the trainings that I do are really very much focused on design thinking mm-hmm. and kind of putting the the people at the center of what you do. Um, so. This is, in short, (laughs) what I'm doing with ThingZone. Uh, And then outside ThingZone, um, I work with uh, high school and university students. Um, So um, I really believe that in order to have a sustainable world, you have to teach people from the beginning to think in a sustainable way and develop sustainability-related values. Um, So I'm a person that I see a lot of problems around me and I get very (laughs) frustrated by seeing a lot of problems around me. And at the same time, I also know that only I cannot solve all of these problems. So my strategy is kind of, okay, then I'm gonna educate a lot of young people to think (laughs) about this problem so they can then go and solve these problems themselves. So one observation that I've been having here for the last few months is that Um, it's very much
0: short-term thinking yeah Um, so 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 exactly like what you what you were saying right now i'm following you like it totally starts with raising the awareness and uh, education um, because it's way easier to learn something from the scratch rather than to change everything once people are adults and already have their patterns and their habits built and uh, you knowing right now um, the startup kind of like a scene over in Vietnam and of course uh, you were exposed quite a lot to that also here in Europe. Um Yeah, I wanted to ask you about what differences do you see? So obviously the short-term thinking would be one, right? What else can you can you share with us that you observed so far? What I've been noticing is that so in Amsterdam
1: because I've been in Amsterdam for a long time um, I felt like the entrepreneurial community and the startup community is much more um, consolidated, and there is also more solidarity among entrepreneurs. There is a whole entrepreneurial culture. It's mm-hmm. kind of trendy to be an entrepreneur. It's trendy to talk about startups. It's trendy to apply um, entrepreneurial thinking and to be entrepreneurial even in big organizations. So it's mm-hmm. big. It's a big topic, and there's a lot of um, support offered to entrepreneurs and to startups. Um, and the community itself is very has a lot of solidarity. So there's a lot of events and community meetings where entrepreneurs share stories about entrepreneurship, uh, failure stories, uh, mistakes, learning, so on and so forth. Um, I didn't really notice that in Vietnam yet. Mm -hmm. Um, So the the startup ecosystem is still quite um, underdeveloped, I would Mm -hmm. say, Uh, or it's, it's, it's just emerging. So a lot of people are kind of catching up on this trend. A lot of people want to be entrepreneurs um a lot of people want to start their business but it's still not a very clearly defined line between what it means to be an entrepreneur and starting your own business, you know. So even people opening a new cafe consider themselves a startup founder, you know. Mm, so it's
0: interesting. Still yeah. bit, it's
1: still a little bit blurry, you know, the, the whole ecosystem, um the the whole networking happens differently, right? So a lot of a lot of the business deals so to speak are are done behind closed doors or in the evenings during a yeah. drink during a dinner so there's not this kind of official meetings that i've been observing in germany and in netherlands yeah so a lot happens through connections a lot mm-hmm. happens through just networking um and everything One big difference, actually, that I've noticed between Germany, especially in Vietnam, is that everything is flexible. So in Germany, you know, we have these rules. This is the rule, that's it. There's no, you know, we cannot bargain about it. Here in Vietnam, you can bargain about anything. Um, Everything is flexible. Um, The rules can change depending on (laughs) the new needs, so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of an interesting um approach and yeah um, i'm still a little bit struggling with that <laughs> um but it's definitely interesting how, how super things interesting things are
0: done here yeah thank you so much for sharing catalina like yeah for me personally and i'm so sure for many listeners uh yeah we might have some sort of assumptions but indeed like uh, for someone who really lives there and works also with the ecosystem that's as you kind of described it like uh, it has a high potential, but there is still quite a lot to do. It's very interesting to hear your point of view here. And also talking about sustainability. So I really liked you made it very clear, okay, we can uh, sit somewhere in the office in a beautiful Europe um, and talk about uh, sustainability and the plastic pollution. But indeed, it's quite different when you see it with your own eyes. It's right there in front of you. You you can't run away from it. And I know uh, you have sustainability very close to your heart as well. So what do you think can be done? And uh, what is it that you can do? Or how can people try solve this
1: well this is like the the question right <laughs> um, in, in general about how do you deal with sustainability and how do you solve it so i don't really have one answer i mean mm. for me per- for me personally it's really heartbreaking to even get out of the door of my building and to go out because you see poverty um you see people in very precarious jobs. So, for instance, when, when there was the COVID-19 crisis, right, um, a lot of people lost their jobs, obviously, and I also felt really guilty, you know, that I'm in this privileged position where I can afford to stay at home in front of my computer and continue my usual work and get my usual monthly salary uh, while the people on the streets who, you know, the, the little grandma who's selling some street food um, or the driver the bike driver you know who does delivery uh, all of these people their jobs suddenly were really unstable mm-hmm. uh, so that's one aspect of it that i notice a lot uh, and not only in covid-19 but just in general you really see this big um, gap between the, the big inequality gap it's really noticeable here and you can see it everywhere uh, and then of course there's the pollution as well um, Myself, what I'm trying to do is, you know, just really little things, (laughs) Um, of course, to to change the whole or to tackle the whole sustainability problem. In this area, at least, I think there needs to be um, awareness on the national level, on the governmental level and actions to be taken on the government level. Um, to put sustainability at the forefront so that businesses and entrepreneurs and people in general uh, start becoming a little bit more conscious um, Mm -hmm. about it. Um, So, um, what I'm trying to do here is really, so what I've said before with education, um, because I feel like if more and more young people especially become aware they will be the future decision makers here in this country. Even if they go to study abroad, most of them will come back. They will go in their organizations or they will go maybe work even within the government and they will be the future decision makers. Um, so if I can manage to inspire them a little bit uh, about sustainability and about being more conscious about the environment and about the community around them, then maybe they will choose a different study than they wanted initially, or maybe they will choose a different job that they wanted initially. um, And in such a way, they will create change here in Vietnam in the future. So um, this is kind of my thinking and my little contribution that I'm trying
0: to do here to tackle this problem. Amazing, Catalina. And also, so you are also not only, you're not only, while well, focusing on how to raise awareness in Vietnam, but also to your podcast. And currently your series are really around sustainable development goals. What inspired you to really choose this focus?
1: Um, yeah, so I chose, so I started the podcast two years ago. Uh, in the first year, I was just exploring and having interviews like you do right now, I guess, with, with people who, um, who inspire you, with people who have really interesting stories to tell. Um, And then it was 2020, or it is 2020 (laughs) right now. Um, And then the sustainability agenda Mm -hmm. um, is set for 2030. Um, So it's literally 10 10 years that we have left in order to try to solve or to tackle all the 17 sustainable development goals. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was curious within within the storytelling, within the podcast, to really explore, okay, what is happening around the world with regards to sustainable development goals? um, And what do people think uh, about them? Can we actually manage to achieve them by 2030? How close are we? Um, Do we have to do more in certain areas? If yes, what can we do in order to accelerate um, our transition towards sustainability and to achieve the sustainable development goals? Um, so this is why I started the, um, this kind of season two of the yeah. podcast focused on the sustainable <laughs> development goals um, to really uh, interview people around the world um, around different sustainable development goals to see what is happening within their country with that and what are they personally doing with their own projects in order to uh, accelerate the sustainability agenda.
0: And What did you learn during those podcasts? How do you see the future?
1: I'm optimistic because... There are people who care um, and there are people who are trying to do things uh, in their context, in their countries, uh, who are pushing for change. Uh, I'm also pessimistic at the same time because everyone that I talk with is, you know, I I can feel a little bit of a pessimistic feeling also because there's just so much to be done and we're not as fast and we're not as efficient and we're still debating instead of actually taking action another reason why I'm a little bit pessimistic is the fact that it also feels like the community is a little bit scattered. Um, So it makes me sad that there's still not enough support uh, for sustainability initiatives for people who care about sustainability. Um, There's still a lot of investment. There's still a lot of money being, you know, pushed towards uh, fossil fuels and so on and so forth. So in that sense, I'm it makes me a little bit sad that, so four years ago or five years ago, you know, if we would talk about sustainability, we would always say that, okay, we just need to make everyone aware and then change will happen. What makes me a little bit worried now is that it feels like we are aware right now. Yeah, It, it is being talked. There are movements happening. For example, Greta Thunberg, you know, and yeah. all the, new, like the young generation standing up and telling the political class, we want our future. Don't take the future away from us. And what makes me a little bit sad is that there are movements happening, there are so many people raising up, but there's still very little action taken. Um, So in that sense, I'm a little bit worried, uh, but I want to stay optimistic because we just have to push a little bit harder. We just have to unite a little bit more. you know, to really push for the sustainable, sustainability agenda, to really fight inequality and poverty and pollution. And so I want to stay optimistic because there are people like Greta Thunberg who, you know, can create movements. So I really hope that in the upcoming years, especially as a result of the COVID-19 as well, there will be more movements happening, more people coming together, standing up for themselves um, and standing up for our future.
0: I really, really love that you're staying so real here, Catalina. I can I can feel from how you're sharing those insights. It's like a battle between, I want to be optimistic at the same time. Uh, I'm, I'm just not sure. You see a lot is happening. Is it enough? Do we have enough time? Is it happening fast enough? So thank you so much for reflecting on that all. And um, yeah, um, as a cliche goes, I really feel that we're in this together. And just to make it more specific, you and me are completely on the same page. And I know many of our listeners as well. What would be your kind of like a closing thought?
1: Yes, thank you so much. Um, yeah, so it's, it's a little bit hard to choose one key message to, to share with the world. But I think one thing I would like to share and encourage people to reflect on is the fact that when COVID-19 happened, for me at least, this was a wake up call and a slap in my face that, you know, this is how far we've pushed our economic system and our society um, and our environment, that currently we have this global pandemic um, that doesn't really, you know, discriminate in the sense of it hits everyone. But at the same time, the second slap in my face was the fact that it actually does discriminate, you know. I felt really privileged to be able to work in my office, to have a stable job, to work from home, to have a stable job, to have a stable income that more or less has had barely been affected <laughs> by this pandemic. And at the same time, I could see you know, outside in my environment, I could see within the news that millions of people are were suffering and are continuing to suffer um, because we didn't have the safety net, we didn't have a system in place that would prevent such a thing from happening so my conclusion or you know what i would encourage people to reflect on is you know stop talking about let's get back to normal because we shouldn't get back to normal the normal that was normal was actually not normal (laughs) Um, so we should not get back to that the fact that we're having this huge crisis um, should not encourage us to you know, start investing in the same things, to keep thinking about growth, to keep thinking about you know, more production, more consumerism. I feel like it, it is a terrible crisis, but at the same time, it's an eye-opening moment where we have the chance everywhere in the world to push the restart button and to rethink our economic systems and what we value actually in our society from scratch. Is the moment where we put you know, values such as solidarity, Um, and equality and community and sustainability at the front and center instead of growth and production and profit and and things like that. So it's really the time where we can rethink all of these things and we can regrow or like reset our economy and reset our society with those core values um, at
0: center. Super. Thank you so much, Catalina. Wishing you all the best all the way to Vietnam, also towards uh, the year, new beginnings, new opportunities, and new possibilities. And thank you so much for keeping it real. All the best and talk to you soon. (laughs) Bye-bye. Thank
1: you.